0: Hey guys, Greg here. What you're about to hear is a classic episode from way back in 2019 that focuses on the killer H.H. H. Holmes and his mythical murder castle. We are currently on our winter break, but Chris has been killing time by playing The Devil in Me, a horror game that is somewhat based on Holmes' murders. So, because we're so generous, not only are we re releasing our Holmes episodes, But you can also watch Chris play the game and mock him for being terrible at it by checking out 100 Proof Streams on Twitch.tv or find the live stream on our 100 Proof History Facebook or YouTube pages. The next stream is tomorrow, Tuesday, December 27th at 7pm, but if you miss it, you can find a recording on those same pages. For now, enjoy this classic
1: episode and we'll see you soon.
0: 2, (laughs) 1...
1: On May 7th, 1896, a con man and murderer was executed in Philadelphia for his crimes. His case was national news, especially once it was discovered that he had built a strangely psychotic castle in a Chicago suburb. He claimed to have killed 27 people. The newspapers estimated he killed upwards of 200. Both of those numbers are probably bullshit, but we do know he killed 9 people and is known as America's first serial killer. Join us as we take a look at the facts of this historically shitty person in this super special holiday episode of 100 Proof History titled H.H. Holmes Halloween Hoedown Gonna be a doctor Gonna see the world Gonna build a murder castle Kill a bunch of girls This is 100 Proof History We're drinking whiskey and talking history So, grab a drink Sit back Relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the
0: horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Yes! Welcome to HPH episode
1: 12. Yep, 12. Halloween special. Oh yeah, it's gonna be real spooky, guys. I like it, though. Yeah, you know, we got to do something. We don't, you know, we're releasing this the day before Halloween. You can't just come in here and talk about fucking U-boats on the shore of Jersey and expect people to be scared. I wanted to. Nobody but... should be scared of the Germans. <laughs> True. <laughs> they've never done anything wrong yet. Yeah. You know, oh, shit. <laughs> Except for all that shit they did wrong. Yep. I am your sexy host, Chris, bringing it back. Figure. We need to
0: yeah. bring up. Uh, okay. I need. I well, still
1: need to brand myself. Yeah, yeah. I got you. And, and
0: I am your main host, Greg. No, no, that's not accurate. Welcome to Hundred Proof History. We do have a little content warning for y'all. Uh, we talk about some awful stuff, but y- usually, you know, it has a historical context. Like two warring nations, for example, yeah, or rebellion, a lot, of death. Yeah. a lot of death. Yeah, this one not as much death, but it's a little more individualized. It's death. a little more graphic. Yeah, yeah. So today we're dipping our uh, our tips, if you will, <laughs> into true crime. And this dickhead that killed people either for personal gain or to fill some sick need. Either way, what he did is fucked up, and includes the murder of kids. So you know. If that kind of thing upsets you, there's no shame in punching out and coming back next time. Then we'll be talking about things from shitty history instead.
1: Yeah, and yeah, there's nothing to to support this murders, these killing of kids. Yeah, and it, it should upset you, but you're hearing about it. It's been 125 years, so I think you're you're in the clear. You know, H. yeah, H. they're not even real people. He's yeah, they didn't exist in your lifetime. So, and H H Holmes isn't hiding out in your closet. <laughs> the, or is who we know of. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, today, our sources are "Depraved" by Harold Schlechter or Schechter Uh "Devil in the White City" by Eric Larson. H. H. Holmes: The True Story of the White City Devil by Adam Selzer. The True History. Would I say true story? Mm-hmm. Well, it's. I like to shorten it because the his is redundant. All history is about men, so.
0: I like to get our sources right, so we don't get sued. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> Thank you for just glazing over that sexist joke. I appreciate it. Was good. It. Yeah, it was thanks. good. And of course, we also have H. H. Holmes' own various confessions. He actually wrote three different confessions, so we can take a look at and realize that that all contradicted each other. Yeah, they're complete <laughs> horseshit. But we'll get into that later. Well, Chris, uh, as always, before we get into it, mm-hmm. you got to tell me what you're drinking today. I am having. TX Bourbon mm. It is an 80-proof straight bourbon. It does tie into the story, but I'm going to save that for later. I'm going to tease you a little bit, because this is true crime today. You can't just fucking tell people what happened and explain the facts. You got, Yeah, you got to keep them on the line. You got to tempt them with, mm-hmm. with the truth. Yeah, sultry, sultry truth. It turns out, like, 90% of the time the husband did it, but, you know, that has nothing to do with my bourbon today. So. Also, this is quote-unquote truth. Oh, yes. You know.
0: Yeah. Once you, once you start going into the true crime, it's... Mm. Uh <sighs> the veracity of the story, uh, you, we'll we'll get into it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm drinking, thank you for asking, Chris. Devil's care. River, barrel strength. Uh, it is also a Texas bourbon, 117 proof. Oh, so moving up, up there, in the world. Like, yeah, yeah. It relates to the story, you know, the whole devil in the white city moniker. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like it. Devil's River. Mm, okay. So, also, it's whiskey and I... I like whiskey in my mouth, throat, and stomach. Yes, that's
1: true. Oh, speaking of your mouth, throat, and stomach, I have heard you got a terrible diagnosis this week, and you're on death's doorstep?
0: I just have like a sinus thing. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm literally covered in sweat right now. (laughs) (laughs) So it's probably throat AIDS. Yeah. I
1: mean... Who can say? Your IV is going well. Uh... No, but uh, so if at some point in this episode it sounds like Greg's voice is waning or, uh, you know, he's getting weaker, it's probably because I'm, you know, choking him out with chloroform or it's also his... It's
0: not because I'm stealing Chris's normal role in this show of as it goes on he gets slurring and (laughs) quiet. (laughs)
1: All right, this is a long one, so let's get the fuck into it. Mm, That's what your mom said. All right, Uh, let's go. H. H. Holmes was born Herman Webster Mudgett on May 16th, 1861, in the town of Gilmanton, New Hampshire. So, with a name like Herman Webster Mudgett, he was he was fucked from the get-go. He's never going to be normal. He had no choice. Yeah. According to him, he was beaten by his dad and often fantasized about his mom and dad burning alive. Like, he read about the Chicago fire, and he thought, man, it'd be great if my parents were in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, you know, his dad wouldn't let him listen to the music he wanted to, you know. All that rebellious teenage shit. He just wanted to listen to some kiss. <laughs> you know, that's it. He was a little kid and got picked on by the bullies. One day they tossed him in the doctor's office where he came face to face with a skeleton, which apparently was really fucking scary back then. What if I was to tell
0: you that each of us has a skeleton that lives inside of us? That's
1: so spooky. Isn't that spooky? Yeah, can, um, you, can you find some Halloween noises? Let's just back that up. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. I don't any more editing work. <laughs> um... But
0: to be fair, in those days, you know, they didn't have, like, 3D printers or anything like that. So, you know, the skeletons the doctors would keep, they're actual human skeletons. Uh, They've been cleaned and, you know, articulated, set up in a certain way in certain (laughs) funny positions. Probably not, but it'd be better if they were in funny positions. This one has a funny hat. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, so you could never really say goodbye to Grandma, you know?
1: It's kind of sweet, right? It's it's very sweet. Yeah. Very endearing. I'm going to go get my tetanus shot and say hi to grandma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he also claimed he was traumatized when a man with a prosthetic leg pulled it off and waved it at old Hermudge. Like it just blew his little mind. Like, holy shit. Post Civil War, man. Yeah. You know how many people were waving prosthetics around? Yeah, but I guess when you're a kid, you don't expect that thing, especially <laughs> back back then. You're like, what the fuck? This dude just like, here come a name. <laughs> Some sources claim that Holmes would mutilate and kill animals for fun, and he may or may not have killed a cousin or his friend Tom. Now, like so much of the story that follows, none of that could be substantiated and would only be brought up once everyone heard about how much of a piece of human trash Holmes actually was. That's going to be a common theme here. Yeah, a lot of this will come up after, and there's no source behind it. And this stuff, you know, you hear that and you think, oh, that's that's generic that's Serial Killer 101. Right. Like the killing of animals and little kids and all that. When Love, you're,
0: loving fire.
1: Yeah. Arson. Yeah. So that's, oh, he's a psychopath already. And like I said, there's nothing to back it up. And they just put that in later to kind of justify the shit they are saying about him. Yeah. You know, 40 years later. In 1878, he married his hometown sweetheart, Clara Lovering. Lovering. That's a hard name to say. Lovering. Lovering. It is very difficult. I'm going to say Lovering, low. Lovering, Lovering. Lovering. Oh, wait, it's not difficult to Clara say. Cochrane. Oh. <laughs> they had a son named Robert in 1880. After graduating high school, he would become a teacher, but he sucked at that, so he went to medical school. First in, was that?
0: Sorry, I'm giving Chris a a funny face. He sucked at teaching, so, oh, well, I guess I'm just doomed to go to
1: medical school I guess I'll be a
0: doctor instead. (laughs) I'm (laughs) such a shitty teacher. I'm going to be a
1: doctor. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Different times, man. It's funny because, well, fuck, Saddam was a teacher, and he went on to be a ruthless dictator. Uh, Same thing with Pol Pot, who we haven't talked about yet. Maybe we will someday, but he was also a teacher. so. Uh, So, obviously, all teachers are psychopaths. So yeah, he sucked at being a teacher, so he went to become a doctor. He went to medical school first in Burlington, Vermont, and then transferred to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor in 1882. Go Wolverines! While he was a medical student, it is alleged that he would steal corpses to use for study and experiment on. Uh, This one actually isn't that crazy because medical students were well known for grave robbing back then. They had so many doctors and they didn't have enough fucking bodies. This was before donating your body to science was a thing. Mm-hmm. So they just go to the fucking graveyard, steal a popper out of the grave and, you know, see what happened. Well, usually pay people to do it for them. Yeah. But
0: yes, I, oftentimes it, it was just them.
1: And actually, Michigan, University of Michigan, had a reputation for being one of the worst offenders. It was like a rite of passage that you had to go fucking steal a corpse.
0: <laughs> it's funny because, uh, as you know, I was just up there visiting some friends mm-hmm. and... You know, simultaneously doing research for this episode. Stealing corpses. And the whole time I'm just like, mm, I just want to talk shit about this so bad. <laughs> but it's like uh, something from 120 plus yeah. years ago. Somebody's going to be like, suck it, Kay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't care. Yeah. They're like, your favorite football team sucks. Yeah, well, your favorite football team dug up a bunch of corpses 100 years ago. Suck my dick. check mate. <laughs> now, it turns out that while he was in college, he would beat his sweet, clean wife, Clara... And this pissed her off so much that she moved back to New Hampshire. How dare she? With their son, Robert. Yeah, and actually, this is a big scandal for 1880, whatever we're Mm. talking about right now, uh, 1882. You know, this is a big deal. Women and men don't separate, you know, ride or die. That's how you're supposed to be. I guess so. So glad times have changed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hermudge, which is what I'm going to call him made his way to inglewood illinois which was then a suburb on the south side of chicago this is the first time where he ever introduced himself as henry howard holmes hh holmes for the sake of brevity you know like triple h oh yeah back in the wwf wwe days
1: yeah i'd, I'd make an h triple h joke but i don't know anything about wrestling Cause, you know i watched
0: wwf as a kid mm. and i remember he was kind of coming on as we stopped watching mm. but you know Just saying.
1: Triple H. Hey, 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 Get it, (laughs) guys.
0: There's no joke there. (laughs) He went to work as a druggist in the drugstore of Dr. E.S. Holton. I want to be a
1: druggist. Yeah. It's easy now. If it means what I think it means. Yes.
0: (laughs) Now, the legend goes that Dr. Holton was old and sickly, and his poor elderly wife was burdened by having to run the store. So when Holmes agreed to buy it, she was delighted and accepted the offer. But then... Neither she nor Dr. Holton were ever heard from again. In reality, the E in Dr. E.S. Holton stood for Elizabeth. And she wasn't old. She was in her 20s and was looking to
1: sell the pharmacy because she had just had a second child and needed more time at home. You know, I bet in 1886, you know that riddle that goes, A man and a son were in a terrible accident. The son was rushed to the hospital and into surgery. But the surgeon said, I can't work on that boy. He's my son. And you're kind of like, well, how can that be? And uh, that must have just blown their fucking sexist minds (laughs) back. Like, the dude's sitting there going, my God, Phineas, a woman doctor? What a humdinger that is. The boys of the opium (laughs) dim will love this one. I've heard a similar riddle, but yeah, yeah, I mean, they all,
0: it's like, huh? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's
1: kind of like the, the also racist joke of what do you call, uh, a black guy who flies a plane, a pilot, yeah, racist. yeah,
0: <laughs> both Holton and her husband would live past the turn of the century, not being
1: murdered even once in eighteen eighty seven Holmes got married to a buxom young woman named Murda Z. Belknap. They had met in Minneapolis in December of eighteen eighty six, and by January they were doing the y m c a in an overpriced reception hall, smashing cake into each other's faces. And the best man was giving a shitty speech that he thought was heartfelt and funny, but it was really some nonsense he threw together at the bachelor party while he was puking in the champagne room of a Chicago strip club. That's uh, oddly specific. Huh? Yeah, it just came to me, man. Never happened.
0: Yeah, like when my bruh met Murda Z last
1: month, I knew from the way he described her buxom boobs, he was truly in love. <laughs> <laughs> One month courtship. Now, if you were paying attention, like, I don't know, four minutes ago, you would have heard us tell you that Holmes married Clara Lovering Cochrane in 1878. (laughs) You may have also noticed that in between that and mentioning this second marriage, neither one of us said the word divorce. I might have said it
0: off mic, but uh, that's a personal matter.
1: It's neither here nor there. Well, okay, yeah. We'll talk about that later. I'm
0: just kidding, wife. (laughs) If I I was serious... There's no way I would leave this in the episode, right? Ooh.
1: <laughs> Halloween mystery. <laughs> After he married, murder nap, Holmes sued Lovering for divorce in Illinois, claiming she was unfaithful. So basically back then, you didn't just go to court and say, we're getting a divorce. You One party sued the other, and they took him to court explaining why they, they were leaving
0: them. They needed a very specific reason.
1: Yes. But she wasn't even in Illinois. She was in New Hampshire, and the judge thought... It was kind of bullshit that you could divorce somebody who was like 800 miles away, and he said you need to bring her. But Holmes would just went ahead and dropped the case anyways. Clara Lovering didn't even know until years later that he even filed for a divorce. Things don't work the way they do now. No, no. That's a that's a great tagline for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That explains every single story every that we've had. Of, every
1: bit of history. Things don't work the way they do now. Uh, also in
0: 1887, Holmes would buy a vacant lot at 63rd and Wallace, directly across the street from the pharmacy he had bought from the Holtons. And this is where he would build what would become to known as the Murder Castle. It would eventually be a three-story building. The first floor was filled with businesses like a restaurant, a candy store, a jeweler, and another pharmacy. The third floor would be hotel rooms, a walk-in vault, and Holmes' office. The second floor? Is is that what you asked? The second Hmm. floor? Oh. (laughs) That was a labyrinth of hidden rooms, doors to nowhere, winding passages, soundproof rooms. Which were probably for his small business podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Rooms that were airtight. And had gas jets connected to a valve that was in Holmes' office, not in the rooms themselves. And also rooms greased with chutes that dropped straight into the basement, where Holmes had an operating table, pits of quick line, and a furnace used to burn remains.
1: Or was it?
0: Maybe just like a bunch of tombstone frozen pizzas.
1: Yeah, and this is a point of contention, um, the furnace. Basically, we literally argued about it downstairs right yeah. before this episode. So
0: downstairs in the studio.
1: A lot of like we said, a lot of this story is sensationalized and made up uh after the fact. This furnace, supposedly the story goes that he bought this furnace, he told people he was gonna use it for glass bending, he was gonna make sheets of glass for the skyscrapers they were building in Chicago. So glass dildos. Yeah, glass dildos. Um, which are the most dangerous dildos, I feel like. What about the ones covered in poison? Checkmate. <laughs> okay. That's a small market if there is one. Anyway, you're going to make a small dildo joke now? You're just going to keep going? No, I just (laughs) smiled. (laughs) So he has this, supposedly he has this thing built. The guy who builds it is like these specifications are very odd. This doesn't make sense for bending glass. It's more of a human-shaped furnace, like the dimensions, like... It seems like you could fit a hu- whole humid in there, maybe not a sheet of glass. Like, sir, right here, you can tell it narrows for the head, widens for the shoulders, <laughs> yeah. narrows for the
0: waist. Yeah. Oh, sir, pure coincidence. Yes, I'm
1: making human glass.
0: Put your mind out of the gutter.
1: <laughs> there are some sources that say the furnace didn't exist. There are some that say it did exist, but it was just like a normal fucking stove. Like, it was a normal furnace for heating a, a large building. Um, So it's it's hard to tell. Uh, later, they would find human bone chips and stuff and like that. In his stoves, so maybe it was used for that, but you just never know. There's, maybe it's, those just fell in there somehow. Yeah, I'm always dropping human bone chips wherever I go. It's like Hansel and Gretel, it's how I find my way back home. I'm just throwing fucking <laughs> dead bodies around.
0: Well, either way, he completed this quote-unquote castle in 1892. In 1893, the World's Fair opened just down the road in Chicago, bringing approximately 26 million visitors to the city between May and October of 1893.
1: Yeah, so World's Fair, big fucking deal. Uh, Devil in the White City, one of our sources, it's like half devoted to the planning and execution of this fair. Um, over half, and it's uh. It's it's not the easiest read. I don't don't oh, come on, man. I want to hear about
0: how the gravel was either too big to where it would hurt a woman's delicate feet, or it was too small to where it would turn into sludge if there was any moisture around, which would make your shoes impossible to clean. Who doesn't want to read such <laughs> riveting tales? Yeah.
1: This is actually a wildly popular book. People loved it. It's huge. Um, DiCaprio it, freaking bought the license for it a yeah, while Yeah, they're back. talking about making a movie with Scorsese. Uh, but it turns out that, like, you know he basically he took a couple books combined them made his own story and a lot of it is like especially the home stuff i can say for a fact that a lot of the home stuff is just stuff he made up just mm. he said mm-hmm. i he even said i speculated to fill in the blanks a few times here just to try and make the story interesting and i don't know about you when i'm reading this book when i'm listening to the audiobook uh i find myself just begging him to talk about homes again like, oh, yeah, please continue mm-hmm. that story because because that's what we're doing this on. <laughs> well, not only that, even I, I read this book uh, before we even started this podcast and like when he's talking about the par- problems getting the plants planted or the amount of trash on the fairgrounds or how long it takes to build the Ferris wheel, which, by the way, this is the origin of the Ferris wheel. I think, that's right. I think we should mention that. This one actually is pretty cool because it's a
0: several years. Yols several years earlier it was uh, the Eiffel Tower but yeah,
1: yeah, yeah we got the Ferris wheel yeah they the Paris World's Fair built the Eiffel Tower right. and the Chicago they needed something to top that they couldn't think of what they did they didn't and then so they built a 250 foot Ferris wheel the first of its kind uh-huh. and uh it, each car could hold i don't remember how many people but the whole wheel could hold 2000 yeah, it people a shitload of it's people. basically like a train car wide mm-hmm. like each <laughs> each car as it rolls around there. And so people were fucking excited about this. Oh, yeah. And now, you know, you go to a carnival and you're like, I'm not getting on that fucking thing. That's Look at the line. Right. Yeah. I'm going to wait at least 10 minutes. I'm going to spend 20 minutes just fucking going around in a circle real slow, waiting for them to load it up so I can go around. Yeah. It's, yeah, a, fucking, yeah. it's a beating now.
0: And That is the worst part. Yeah.
1: So all that's going on right now, the World's Fair. There's also a Buffalo Bill's show. And I love this part. I did love this part mm-hmm. of, of Devil in the White City because Buffalo Bill just fucking blows them out of the water. Like oh, he, yeah. he puts on his own show. Like, he wanted to be in the World's Fair and they told him no, he wasn't classy enough. He was like
0: right next to it.
1: Yeah, so he built his own stadium right right fucking next to it and he had so many visitors, he made something like 75 million dollars off of his fucking show. It, mm, I it, think it was like 13 or, or it, it was in today's money
0: it would be 75 million. Yes. Because it was only like $1 million back then. Yeah,
1: something but, crazy like that. I wanted that. to say it was like 30
0: something yeah. million. To,
1: but a shootload of money. He made a shitload of money. He uh, he wound up blowing it all and dying poor, but yeah. he, he had a good show. Died in his house
0: with yeah. no loved ones. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but
0: he had a lot of money at one point. At one point. Victory. <laughs> <laughs> the yardstick of success. <laughs> Having money at one point in your life. It's my yardstick. <laughs> back to the story. Hundreds of people disappeared during the World's Fair... And it was very popular for people to pin those disappearances on holmes once they found out what his castle which he had renamed the world's fair hotel had to hide no one really knows how many people died in holmes murder castle the truth is there's only evidence that he killed 9 people and four of those murders would happen in different cities most sources assume he killed a whole bunch of people in the castle mostly desperate women folk after all why build a murder castle
1: if you aren't going to use it right yeah and not to get too far off topic and kind of keep us on track here, but uh, yeah, because we're good at that. It is very debatable that he even used the top floor of the hotel as a hotel. There's a lot of evidence that he basically just built all of that up there to one, hide stuff from his creditors and two, to uh, commit insurance fraud later. One
0: of the things that I found in my research was devil in the white city. It, says a lot of things. It was something that kind of refuted it was when investigators went up there, like, there was nothing.
1: Yeah. Was there, a-
0: there wasn't evidence that people had ever been there. Right. The rooms weren't even partitioned. It was just empty space. Yeah. So who knows, man? It's so hard with all these different sources to really parse what is good evidence and what isn't.
1: Yeah, and what you get into, and like Adam Selzer, one of the sources, mm-hmm. he is a big skeptic. Like, he doesn't believe that, first of all, he doesn't even believe Holmes is a serial killer. He just believes he's an opportunistic killer who killed people who got in his way. I'm kind of leaning towards that, honestly. uh, Like I said, he's very skeptical. And basically, so, he goes one way and everybody goes goes the other way. Whereas, people will see this guy killed nine people. We know he killed these people or we feel like he killed these people. And he has this murder castle. We're going to speculate that he killed a whole bunch of fucking people. And Seltzer says, well, we have evidence that he killed these people. You don't have evidence that he killed more. I don't think you can speculate that he killed more people. And it
0: was only there wasn't like a common denominator as far as why he killed who he killed. Right. It it, it makes me think that he was truly a sociopath that had no value on other people's lives. Right. And it was opportunistic. It yeah. was people getting in his way. Mm. We'll get into later who who's who and why, but...
1: It all makes sense. Like, he has individual motives for basically everybody, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah.
0: And not only that, a lot of this stuff that we know about him today and a lot of what people knew about him back then was the sensational journalism that was so prevalent in those days. And apparently, it was way worse than it is now, (laughs) which I find hard to believe, but.
1: Yeah, they just made shit up. Yeah. Yeah, They just completely made shit up back then. Not even embellishing the truth. It's
0: like, okay, well, he's got three-story hotel. I'm going to fill in the blanks. Yeah. Not, I'm going to use this small piece of evidence to then extrapolate, you know, details out of, nope, I'm just going to completely make it up.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite things about this is uh, if you go online, you can find it. And actually, I kind of want the poster version. They have a diagram of the second floor of all of his rooms and yeah, all that. Completely made up. Yeah, They. well, I mean, it, it may be an accurate diagram. I don't know that. But they just make up names for the fucking rooms, like the room of the three corpses, (laughs) the hanging room. You know, you're like, where does this shit come from? Like, there's nothing to back that up. Nobody found three corpses in that fucking room. (laughs) It just sounds fucking gruesome. Somebody
0: building a haunted house. And then
1: it says hallway. And you're like, oh, my God, what happened there? (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine. You might be wondering how someone could build a freaking murder castle in an upper middle class suburb without any alarm bells going off. Uh, sure, building codes were a lot less strict back then. And nowadays, it's like, I've got to get a permit to trim my fucking pubes. You know what I'm saying? You do it in your front yard, so it makes sense. Still got to get a permit. It's yeah. bullshit. This is America, <laughs> God damn it. But even then, you'd think some nosy dude hanging drywall might say, hey, are you making this oddly shaped room soundproof so you can murder people inside it? And then
0: <laughs> Holmes could just say, well, actually, it's for my podcast. we you like to hear about it. And he would <laughs> he'd be immediately met with a no thanks yeah, and no more questions. I just glaze
1: over. <laughs> oh fuck this shit again. I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> okay, still, there were gas jets, chutes to the basement, doors that led to brick walls, and very little was ever questioned. And that was because Holmes was the ultimate credit fraud con man. Which a lot of the stuff he does, you can't obviously can't get away with today, but it it was surprising that more people weren't fucking doing it back then. We'll save you the details on all the swindles because he was eventually named in like a hundred fucking lawsuits for failing, failing to pay his debts. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But basically, he'd get credit from one place, use his buildings or businesses as collateral, and then he just wouldn't pay it back. And if they ever got real pushy, he'd get credit from another place to pay the original debt. He'd buy all sorts of furniture and fixtures that he never planned on using. It would instead sell them off and it would all be profit. It's kind of like uh, the plot to Goodfellas. When he was ready to move out of the pharmacy, he bought from the Holton's, he ran up the debt, invited a potential buyer to the store, made it look far more busy and profitable than it actually was, and then sold it and opened a new pharmacy across the fucking street that was way nicer than the one he had just sold. And which part of his like selling
0: point to this was there's not another pharmacy close, yeah. So this is secured business. Like that was <laughs> one of his major selling points to these people, and he opens one up literally across the
1: street. I could just picture what a him dick as the uh, the HH Holmes sign is being raised above the pharmacy. He's just standing on the sidewalk, giving the double bird to the guy <laughs> he just sold it to.
0: <laughs> like at the same rate, the sign is being yeah. raised. He's raising his middle fingers <laughs> just slowly up in the air. <laughs>
1: And of course, none of the credit he got was under the name H.H. Holmes, but under several aliases or names of actual people who had no idea they were listed as owners. He claimed five people owned the murder castle as a joint business venture, but really it was just him. So when a creditor would come looking for all their money, he'd greet them cordially, treat them to lunch, make them laugh and smile, and tell them the real man they were after was H.S. Campbell. But Holmes hadn't seen that guy in forever. I wonder why he hadn't seen him forever. Hmm. When it came to the castle, he designed it all himself, used cheap construction material and cheap labor, and would frequently hire someone to build a room, and once a single wall was built, he'd say, man, that's a, that's a real shit quality wall. You're fired, and I'm not paying you. I don't think he sounded so hillbilly. like You just love going back to that, I well, guess. that hillbilly accent. Well, you know when I was reading this story originally, and he was the, the horrible monster, the devil, I was going to give him the Igor voice, you know, the, well, that's a shit quality wall. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know if people want to hear that. So, but. No. No, they don't. <laughs> I just heard it, and I hate it. I hate it. So it will be Hick Holmes. H. Hick Holmes. Anyway, one of his ballsiest swindles was buying his airtight vault. Once it was moved in, he had walls constructed around it, built a whole room around this vault. When the safe company came to get the vault, because obviously he wasn't going to fucking pay for it, he said, all right, fuck boy, take the vault, but if you damage the walls around it, I'll sue the shit out of you, and the safe company backed down
0: it's honestly genius
1: <laughs> I don't think it worked today, but I think someone would be i like, am okay, I'll just fucking fuck up your wall that's that's on you that's like yeah. written
0: in the contract and then I think in actuality, the company repossessing whatever it was would sue you for the work it took to, to remove the wall. all the shit.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so old Murda Z. Holmes went back to work in the first floor of the castle as a sales clerk. In 1888, they had a daughter together. But Holmes was a straight-up playa and hit on every woman that came into his store, and the relationship between Murda and H.H. became strained.
1: He actually goes so far as to install, like, a alarm device that goes off every time she comes downstairs so he can stop hitting on women and get back to work. (laughs) (laughs) What? No, nothing, nothing. Filling this prescription. Yeah. Filling it with my dick.
0: Unbelievable. Since it was the 1800s and women who were divorced were basically soulless lepers who had teeth in their vaginas that would bite it right off if you tried to go where another man had been, the two just decided to separate. Murder moved to Williamette, just north of Chicago. Holmes would still visit her and bring money and gifts for their daughter. Now Triple H could live out his bachelor dreams and hang out with his best new friend, Benjamin Peitzel. No one is really sure when Ben Peitzel, a carpenter with a criminal record, just uh, like Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> moved, <laughs> moved to Chicago with his wife Carrie and their five kids, but he went to work for Holmes in 1889. Holmes was smaller
1: in stature and penis size. But- yeah, actually, I I do want to address that because the last series we made, I made fun of, and you 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 joined in a little, but it was mostly me, uh, in a jealous rage making fun of John Wilkes Booth's penis size, saying he had little <laughs> little Joe on one inch. Is his penis. that a jealous rage? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but I was doing research for this, and it was it was just too good to pass up on the fact. That Holmes actually did have a tiny penis. He was back then. The way you identified people, uh, they didn't have fingerprints, and they barely had just started using mugshots. Uh, They just measured people. They thought that there was a French doctor who thought that every human had unique measurements. So they'd measure like basically every part of your body. Like there's, there's definitely not two people in you know Chicago walking around that are five foot seven, got size eight shoes. And a half inch penis, like it just doesn't happen. So
0: no way, it's literally impossible. Yeah.
1: So uh, they did measure his genitals, and in the medical assessment, it said he had remarkably small sex organs. So I wanted to bring that up to our attention. I feel like what are the numbers? I don't know. There weren't. I'm numbers. a man of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't numbers. <laughs> uh, but remarkably small. That's got to be like fucking tiny, right? I would assume so. Yeah,
0: especially if it's somebody that sees a lot of dicks like that. Unless
1: that doctor's like really insecure. Mom. Yeah. God damn it. Unless that doctor's really insecure about (laughs) everybody he sees. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, remarkably small. Yeah. His penis. (laughs) Look at this, honey. John,
0: come in here for your performance review. I see that your last two cases, the male you have specified, has remarkably small genitalia. (laughs) Surely that's not the case. Oh, that, yeah. Fuck
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, my wife? <laughs> You're just saying this because you got a small dick, medical head doctor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, like I said, uh, Holmes was smaller in stature, whereas Peitzel was a larger dude who could do some heavy lifting, like lifting up his penis to take a pee. In yeah. The toilet. Now that we're just talking about dick size. That's right. 100 penis history. Yes. Later on, he would become to known as sort of a henchman, kind of like a, an Igor type for
1: Holmes. Yeah, one of the prosecutors would later describe Peitzel as his creature. I mean, there was a there was a couple creatures in the last one, I felt like. Yeah, yeah, there were. The, you know? The guys who just followed Booth around That's right. blindly, yeah.
0: So considering their size difference, and the fact that Holmes was cunning, and Peitzel was dumber than a bag of rocks watching the Kardashians, it kind of makes sense. And when stories came out about Holmes years later, Witnesses would recall seeing Peitzel help Holmes carry large trunks out of the castle in the dead of night. Of course, it's entirely possible, and much more likely, that Holmes and Peitzel were moving trunks full of furniture and goods that Triple H had bought on credit and was hiding from debt collectors and repo men.
1: But hey, it could have also been chopped up dead ladies? At the same time, you know? Question mark? Everybody wants to buy something. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> There's a market for everything yeah. <laughs> Now that you have an idea of what kind of dude Holmes actually was It's time to get into the killings that he can reasonably be tied to In 1890, Ned and Julia Conner moved to Chicago with their daughter Pearl Ned was a jeweler by trade And wouldn't you know it, H.H. H. Holmes was looking for someone to manage the jewelry shop In the first floor of his castle Ned was hired as the manager at a sweet rate of 12 bucks a week well, we're moving on up to the south side to a deluxe murder castle in the sky. <laughs> Jefferson's, huh? Yeah. Okay. Julia went to work in the store with him, and it wasn't long before Holmes was trying to get up in those guts. Oh, fuck. I hate that. You know it. I brought it back just for that. Disgusting monster. Julia and Ned's relationship had been strained from the jump. She was an attractive woman with a lot of prospects, and he had been kind of the town loser. Everyone was shocked when they got together, and Julia grew to resent Ned for his business failures. Ned never saw Holmes coming. <laughs> Julia did. Oh, Which is really weird, considering that in 1890, Ned brought his 18-year-old sister to see the big city, and Holmes spent her entire visit telling her that he'd leave his wife for her and ask her if uh, she knew what a mustache ride was. Ooh, I want mustache ride. <laughs> She freaked out. She told Ned about it, but Ned just kept on working on the store, and Holmes kept on working on Ned's wife. <laughs> hey Eventually, Ned found out, and he demanded that she stop banging the boss man. She told Ned to fuck off, and so Ned fucked off. It's that easy. <laughs> yeah. He filed for divorce and left Chicago. Of course, everyone knows that infidelity with a spouse is a fantastic way to start a new relationship, so it probably shocks you to hear that pretty much right after Ned left, Holmes decided he was tired of Julia's shit. Not only was Julia confident, intelligent, and strong-willed, she also knew a whole lot about the constant scams that Holmes ran on his creditors. And when she announced in November of 1891 that she was pregnant and expected Holmes to marry her, he knew that she had to go. Well, Big
0: Daddy, Small Daddy Holmes, agreed to marry Julia Connor on the condition that she have an abortion and it was super convenient for her that she had married a doctor because he could take care of that pesky
1: fetus in the comfort of his own murder castle he's a doctor who doesn't practice medicine ever that should raise some red flags when he says "oh yeah i can do that abortion we'll just take care of that at home don't worry about it" i mean you can have a
0: doctorate in underwater basket weaving oh i'm a doctor
1: yeah that's true phd in basket weaving underwater basket weaving i'm sorry i didn't want to diminish the difficulty involved <laughs> come on <man. laughs> yeah, yeah. They
0: agreed to do it on December twenty fourth. Holmes instructed, "If only God had done that."
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> See, I was going to work in at some sort of joke about, oh, <laughs> this time there was room at the inn, but not for the baby. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> Holmes instructed Julia to tell the neighbors and her friends that she was going on a last minute trip because her sister had fallen ill. That way, she could recover from the procedure, and no one would ever know about it. If your dude ever gets you to tell all of your friends and family that you're going to be going somewhere for a while... Emergency trip. ...when you're not, <laughs> yeah, don't fucking do it. Yeah. Run. Yeah. <laughs> that night, Julia was upset and nervous about the procedure, and said she couldn't even put her daughter, Pearl, to bed. Holmes said he'd do it. He then led Julia to the basement where he had an operating table all ready to go. He put her under using chloroform. She would never wake up. Neither Julia
1: nor her daughter Pearl were ever seen alive again. Now, you say never seen alive. So the legend goes that shortly after this, uh, Holmes called his buddy named Charles Chappell, who was known for articulating skeletons. So, basically, he would take... Did he have a tiny mustache and a hat? No, that's that's a different Charlie Chaplin. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay, anyway. So, <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> yes, it took me a second, but when I got there... I'm a podcast. <laughs> that's what I tell people. <laughs> I'm a podcast. <laughs> so, the legend goes that he calls this dude, and he says, hey, I've got a skeleton, can you clean it, articulate it? I'll give you $36 to do that for me and bring it back to me. And then Holmes, he comes over and he sees basically Julia Connor laying on the operating table. She's her skin's all flayed open and all this. Um, And he just assumes it's, you know, a stolen corpse or, you know, just somebody who actually did recently die in a medical procedure. And he says, yeah, I'll do that for you. And apparently he does this for the rest of the time. And Holmes would sell the, the skeletons for like 200 bucks. The truth is, there's obviously, there's just no fucking proof that ever happened either, because uh, old Charlie Chappell, with his tiny mustache and bowler hat, <laughs> he was a known liar and a drunk, and he didn't come forward until after Holmes was arrested to tell the police this story, and his family's like, no, nah, none of that shit actually happened, he just likes to make shit up and be involved in the story, so... Um, it still is possible he was. He just didn't have proof of it. And you know, you sell a skeleton to a school, a medical school down the road. They don't fucking care where it came from. There's no serial number attached to your fucking bones. So it could have happened. Maybe not yours. Oh yeah. Uh, maybe I should get that done. You should. Anyway. Yeah. So there's no proof any of this happened, but uh, it's fun to think about, right? It's fun to think about a guy. So fun. <laughs> yeah, Stripping muscle and fat off of a dead lady and. Selling their bones.
0: Oh, I just jump up and down in yeah. excitement. Yeah, I can see so why. Fun.
1: I can see why people love true crime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny that you know we've already kind of talked about this, but it's called true crime, and we're spending half the time talking about did this happen? Yeah, it's just <laughs> none of it's true. Yeah. Uh.
1: Yeah, so we talked about this a little bit in the lead up. I think we'd both heard the story of Holmes, or at least a little bit about it, and then we start researching it, and we're getting all these myths and legends. And it's like, man, this is kind of interesting. He's kind of, you know, a psychopath, America's first serial killer. And then uh, you start diving into the actual facts. You start doing the history research of it, mm. and you're like, this isn't as fun as I thought it'd be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we we kind of joke that like it's it's true crime in quotations around true. But then history just swoops in and says, uh, Actually, you know, yeah. I want you guys to end this fucking party right now. And let me tell you what really happened. Our true nature comes out when we try and enjoy ourselves. <laughs> yeah. In 1892, Holmes tried to make Peitzel go to rehab. And he said, Yeah, all right. You know, it's like Amy Winehouse, but the opposite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Peitzel was an alcoholic, and a doctor by the name of Keeley had developed what he called the gold treatment which used a magical elixir allegedly containing real gold in it. It didn't, by the way. And it was used to fight the devil known as liquor. So, fuck you, Dr. Keeley.
0: And also, praise be to Goldschlager.
1: Yeah. Well, it wouldn't work. It, they would find out that it, it was all bullshit, and Keeley would eventually be exposed as a fraud.
0: Oh, so you're saying swallowing my wedding ring won't get rid of the hangover I'm
1: going to have tomorrow, or? Yeah. Hmm. Well, Wish you would have told me that earlier. It'll come out. It'll be fine. Just, you know, steam wash or whatever.
0: <laughs> Throw it in the dishwasher. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> It'll hang around one of the little spikes yeah, that just, pokes up. Just yeah. put it around that and just let, let the dishwasher do its magic. Yeah,
1: make sure you have all of your other dishes in there, too. Well, cool. Clean's you don't, clean. You don't waste water. Yeah. Clean en- is clean. Environmentalist. While he was there, he came across a lovely young woman named Emmeline Sigrand. Peitzel, being the world's best wingman as always, told her all about one of Chicago's most prominent businessmen, Dr. Henry Howard Holmes. So, little known fact, his street
0: slash SoundCloud rapper name was Henry (laughs) Ho-Ho. I don't know if you knew that. I like
1: it. When Ben got back to Chicago, he told Holmes all about Emmeline, and Holmes immediately wrote her a letter offering $18 a week to be his secretary. Now... For those of you doing math at home, which you should be when you're listening to a history podcast, that is fifty more or fifty percent more than he was paying the manager of his jewelry store. He was paying his secretary fifty percent more than the manager of the jewelry store. What's that tell you?
0: I don't know. It's time for Bone Town.
1: <laughs> oh, it's time to go to Bone Town. Bonetown USA. <laughs> she accepted the job and she moved down to Chi Town. And guess what? It was time to go to Bonetown, because yes. they they immediately started fucking. By the fall of 1892, Emmeline was ready to marry Triple H, and he seemed like uh, the idea was pretty good, but he said that you'd have to marry her under the name Robert E. Phelps.
0: Another fun fact for you. He is not related to Olympic champion Michael Phelps. We can say that with 100% certainty, because Robert Phelps was made up.
1: Well, you can finally say one, 100%. 100%. <laughs> it's not entirely clear why Emmeline went along with this lie. Maybe she was in on his scams and knew he had to use fake names for pretty much everything. Maybe she was aware of his marriage to Murda Z and knew he couldn't get married as H.H. H. Holmes again. Maybe she was just super gullible and he fed her a bunch of horseshit lies that she fell for. She would write letters to her family claiming that her fiancé, Robert E. Phelps, was taking her to Europe and that he was the son of an English lord. So it's, it's really hard to tell why she went along with this Robert Phelps bullshit. In November, Holmes had Emmeline slap the addresses of her family and friends on some envelopes and told her that they were for the wedding announcements. They would be used for wedding announcements. But Henry Ho-Ho and Emily Sagrand would never get married. Halloween sound. <laughs> I, think just, I think it should just be Halloween sound. Just you saying Halloween sound. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will on that one. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sometime during the first week of December in 1892, Holmes and Emmeline were chillaxing in Holmes' office on the third floor of the murder castle. He then asked Emmeline to go and get a document out of his big-ass vault he had never paid for. She said, I'm, I don't know why I gave her that accent. Yeah, I like it. I hope she talked like that the whole time. And <laughs> <laughs> walked into the vault. While she was digging around in the dark vault for some papers, Holmes slammed the door shut and locked her in. He pulled up a chair... And leaned his ear against the door.
1: And inside the vault, he could hear a faint female voice. She was singing. But what was she singing? I don't... She was singing. Is this And I'm proud oh, to be the <laughs> American, at least I know I'm free. And then Holmes pressed up against the door, and she pressed up against the door, and they joined in a duet, and then it raised crescendo, and I won't forget... The man who died <laughs> gave a life for me.
0: Well, I thought maybe you were about to give me a real fact. I didn't know. Huh? <laughs> okay. Well, what he did hear was the panic screams of a dying girl gasping for air in an airtight vault.
1: Well, I like my version better. Okay. <laughs>
0: I mean, I do too. But <laughs> now we don't usually do direct quotes from our sources because we like you guys to think that uh, you know we kind of know this shit by heart. But what follows is a quote from the book Depraved by Harold Schlechter, describing the scene as Holmes said outside the vault. Quote, as the minutes passed, his excitement grew so acute that he undid his trousers, exposed his rigid mimba, and masturbated into a pocket handkerchief until, having spent himself repeatedly, he sank back, sated. In the chair.
1: <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I like it. But uh, obviously, he didn't take any artistic license there. That is exactly No. no. <laughs> that's a direct quote. Yeah. He has physical evidence that Holmes orgasmed multiple times into a pocket <laughs> handkerchief. <laughs> Dude,
0: all of these fucking books are like that. Yeah, it's so great. Like, Holmes, uh, you know, he when he first got the the pharmacy, mm-hmm. one of the books talks about how you know, he sat in there, and he looked out onto the Chicago streets, and the sun hit his blue eyes, yeah, and they reflected back, blah, blah. And it's like, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, what? The, where is this coming from? We need yeah. to get back to history. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the wedding announcements were mailed out indicating that Emmeline Sagrand had married a man by the name of Robert Phelps. It was even announced in Emmeline's hometown paper. And, of course, the legend remains that Holmes stripped her body of its flesh and sold her articulated skeleton to a medical school for two hundred
1: dollars. Halloween noises yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get back to this for again for our listeners at home doing math. uh you'll note that Holmes was paying Emmeline eighteen dollars a week, and they were together for. Far longer than the 8, 11 weeks it would take to basically take up that entire $200 that he made from selling her skeleton. So, uh, it's a pretty shitty investment, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, he really didn't think
1: this one through. Yeah, no, you should have murdered her way sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of murder, let's go murder some fucking drinks. I, I've been dry here for so long, I'm starting to, you know, see clearly and... Yeah, realize how horrible this story actually is And I don't want to think about things like this This is why I drink, so Let's go pour more bourbon, bourbon down my throat Bourbon All right, we're uh we're back from break. We uh, refreshed our drinks. Uh Greg hastily ate some uh expired lunch meat so that'll help his AIDS that he's dealing with right now. I mean, can't make things worse, right? Bit into it and I was like, "Hmm, stay sod. Date on it." Oh, <laughs> cool. One day shy of a month ago. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. <sighs> You're already terminal. I say you live it up. Living it up isn't eating expired (laughs) lunch
0: meat I'm sorry
1: Okay, I guess we have different definitions of living it up (laughs) Alright, let's get back into this stupid fucking story This made up myth about this serial killer Quote, unquote, serial killer If you will Think I covered my bases enough there?
0: Yeah Okay, good Chris made me a Manhattan in the break
1: Yeah It
0: tastes like it was made in Manhattan Oh, that movie. By that, I mean... J-Lo. Fucking dirty street water. It came out of J-Lo's butt. Bum sweat. <laughs> and, like, just a sliver of ice. Yeah,
1: mm. I, I usually have measurements when I'm making my Manhattans, and today I free-balled it, and it did... I don't know if it went well. I mean, there's liquor in there, so it's gonna it's gonna work. It's really not that bad. Okay, good, good. I just wanted to make a man made-in-Manhattan joke. Jesus. Uh, I thought you just wanted to make me feel bad about myself. And you... Well, it was a twofer. By the way... Mission accomplished. Yes. Go home and kill myself. Anyway, in March of 1893, Minnie Williams moved to Chicago and became Holmes's secretary and his lover. That word, I don't like that word. Lover? Lover. I
0: don't like it the way you say it, but I like the <laughs> word lover. It's it's a regular word, I guess. Yeah,
1: I like it when I'm it's... Indifferent. it's a, I'm indifferent. I'm going to steal a joke from 30 Rock. Uh, I like, oh, that word bums me out unless it's between the words meat and pizza. <laughs> Anyways, it's not okay <laughs> <laughs> It's not clear where Holmes met Minnie. It could have been Boston or New York, but it definitely wasn't through a temporary agency like Holmes would later claim. Minnie was described as short-legged and plump with light brown curly hair and a chubby face, and was said to look like an overgrown baby.
0: Stop, I can't stand up. <laughs> I know
1: I <laughs> It made Holmes's tiny, rigid member even that more rigid. Dude, I met this, uh, met this new chick. Yeah? Oh, yeah? Tell me about it. Yeah. She looks like a...
0: Mm, sorry. <laughs> You'll have to excuse me. She looks like an overgrown baby.
1: Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to need to seize your computers and see what you've been <laughs> downloading. She was also allegedly
0: super naive. Well, Holmes told her that gullible wasn't in the dictionary, and she spent 12 days and $6,000 searching for it.
1: A lot of good men died on that hunt. Poor men. Pour one out. She did have one... Don't do it. Don't pour it out. Don't no, pour no, it out you. in my mouth. Okay, good. She did have one thing that Holmes' tiny member actually was super rigid for. She owned a valuable piece of property in Fort Worth, Texas.
0: Halloween sound, followed by revolver shots and yee haws if you can. <laughs> That's
1: a whole lot to request. <laughs> that is a ton. Yeah. How do you think this works? And that brings me to my tie-in. See, I like to tie my drinks into the show. And uh, earlier, you may have noticed, if you're a fan of the show, you may have noticed, I didn't mention how TX Bourbon is related to this story. Mm-hmm. It turns out TX Bourbon is distilled in Fort Worth, Texas. Holy shit, you guys. I got gotcha. you. See, now you are properly titillated. That tease has paid off. Her property was worth $40,000 in 1893 money, which is basically the GDP of China in today's dollars. Uh, citation needed. <laughs> but
0: I looked up where this property was, mm-hmm. and it's basically downtown fucking Fort oh, Worth. Oh, yeah. It's
1: worth a lot of money. Like,
0: this shit would be worth millions and millions of dollars now.
1: Yes. Uh, Holmes had almost no problem talking Minnie into signing the land over to him. Now, part of the grift was knowing who else might lay claim to the property, so Holmes made sure to have lots of long talks with Minnie about her family. She was an orphan, but had a younger sister named Nanny, which is a stupid
0: fucking name, by the way,
1: who was not not, nearly...
0: Yeah, it's not as sexy as Minnie. Yeah,
1: well, Minnie, you know, she's an overgrown baby. You expect someone named (laughs) Minnie to be an overgrown baby. I'm sorry. Uh... Nanny was not nearly as easily to fool as Minnie was. She was a little bit sharper than Minnie. When Minnie had written letters to Nanny telling her about her, quote, handsome, wealthy, and intelligent boyfriend, who she knew as Harry, by the way, Nanny was thinking, you know, some of this shit just don't make sense.
0: I got two things on this. Okay. First... Now we can get to my drink tie-in. Okay. I already kind of tied it in with, uh, you know, the devil part of Devil's River. Yeah, uh, yeah, devil in the white city. Um, But it's also from Texas. Nanny here, she was a teacher in Midlothian, Texas, Mm -hmm. which is pretty close to the Fort Worth area.
1: A little south, yeah. Yeah, but also Texas. Yes.
0: Devil. Devil in Texas. (laughs) Two check marks.
1: Got it. You nailed it. You're getting on my level now, Greg.
0: Yeah. Um, but also, I can only kind of imagine how this conversation went. Yeah. Like, uh, hey, girl, it's Minnie. Just wanted to tell you about my new bae, Harry. He's super handsome and smart and has the cutest little rigid member. <laughs> he's always laughing and joking and asking strange personal questions and masturbating into his handkerchief. What? Hey, but he's my soulmate. Anyway... Harry wants to know if you want to come up here to Chicago and go to the World's Fair. I didn't think the world was very fair when our parents died and we were separated for years. But this time they built a real big wheel that spins around and you ride on it and stuff. Yay! <laughs> so you should totes come
1: up here. K-bye! Yeah, and so uh, she she bought the invitation Uh, Holmes invited her because he wanted to basically see how smart she was, see how much claim she would lay to this fucking property and maybe take care of that problem. And she wanted to go up there and see Holmes and see how he was treating her sister. So it was kind of like a, it it seemed like it was going to be an adversarial thing. Yeah, it seemed that way. It did. Well, Nanny, who had been
0: suspicious of Holmes, fell for his bullshit too. She began calling him Brother Harry, like, right off the bat yes, yeah. uh, I remember reading an interview where she was like, I don't even remember when I started calling him that, but it was pretty early on. Like, she didn't even think about it.
1: He's so nice.
0: It wasn't like this intelligent decision, like, all right, I'm going to start calling him this to let him know that, you
1: know, I accept him as one of the family. She just, just happened. <laughs> yeah. She immediately went up there and saw... He masturbated into the nicest handkerchiefs and always put them away. Oh, that is of the finest linen. Yeah, put them out of the, out of sight of the ladies. So obviously he was worthy a true gentleman. of her giant baby sisters, <laughs> <laughs> who was older than her. It's kind of confusing. She's a giant baby, not she is a giant baby sister. Uh, the giant baby sister, sister. He was <laughs> he was worthy of her love. <laughs>
0: Well, like I said, you know, she's called him Brother Harry. She's super excited to go to the World's Fair on July 3rd of 1893. She saw all of the sights, ate so much deep-fried stuff, and rode the Ferris wheel. But she was heartbroken when Holmes couldn't knock over the milk bottles with the hurling sphere, and she didn't get to go home with an oversized
1: stuffed minion from Despicable Me. And when she expressed her disappointment... Holmes decided to kill her for daring to question a man in public. You'll die, bitch. Which, of course, made her murder legal in 1893, and everyone at the fairgrounds applauded him as he had thrown her out of the swan-shaped paddleboat and held her underwater.
0: <laughs>
1: Actually. Yeah. yeah, that's not true. I'm sorry. I just made that shit up. <laughs> as did
0: I. Everyone had a great time at the fair. The next morning, Nanny wrote her uncle, telling him that next up... Brother Harry was taking Nanny and Minnie to the fabulous vacation destination of Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
1: Ugh. Come see some breweries, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, eat a, some sausage. Yeah, have some cheese. Yay. Yay. It's cold here all the time for some reason. <laughs> Women are so pretty, though. They're so pretty.
0: <laughs> he would then take them to Maine and New York, and then they would sail to Germany with stops in London and Paris.
1: Again? We can't
0: escape fucking Germany in our
1: goddamn history podcast. It's impossible, man.
0: It's almost like World Conquest, or the attempts at World Conquest do that to a nation. Yeah, they
1: solidified them in every facet of history (laughs) ever.
0: Well, she even wrote that she liked Europe. She was going to stay and study art. After she finished her letter, Triple H took Nanny over to the castle and gave her a tour. Minnie stayed in the apartment that she and Holmes had shared across town to do some cleaning. Once at the castle, Holmes pulled the old... Hey, why don't you crawl into this uh, dark vault and find my document scam again? And Nanny died, just like Emily Sagrand had. You mean uh, singing the most patriotic song of all time? No, I don't. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Holmes then went back home and dealt with Minnie the only way he knew how. With murder. In the Murder Castle. Well, at least that's how the story goes. It turns out that Holmes actually owned a much larger glass company on the north side of town, very close to where the apartment he shared with Minnie was. And it would have made much more sense for him to kill the sisters at or near the apartment and take them to the glass company where he could dispose of their bodies in the large furnaces, which, you know, weren't in the middle of a crowded area like the murder castle was.
1: Yeah, uh, Adam Selzer speculates a lot about this. Uh, he did... It is speculation, but it does make sense from a criminal standpoint uh, to stop killing people and mur- and burning them in the murder castle because allegedly, you know, there are people staying there. There are people living nearby shopping in the shops below uh, one floor above. And so you would have this obvious stench of burning human and this glass factory this where he had a much larger furnace was on the north side and it was in an industrial area where no one was around so you could take anybody over there and just burn the shit out of them.
0: makes complete sense the idea that holmes killed nanny in the vault came from his last confession and the idea that he killed Minnie in the murder castle comes primarily from the fact that he owned a fucking murder castle <laughs> we do know that both girls were never seen again after july 5th 1893 and Holmes had about forty thousand fucking reasons to want both of them out of the picture.
1: Yep, Fort
0: Worth, Texas, baby. Got my property.
1: In eighteen ninety-three, H. H. Holmes would fall in love and get married again. This time, he was in love with a woman named Georgiana Yoke, old Georgiana Egg Yoke. It's spelled Y-O-K-E, not like yolk like an egg, but that's it. Still sounds the same, of course. He didn't bother to get divorced from Clara Lovering Mudgett or Murder Z. Holmes because his divorces are expensive and a hassle, unlike just making up a fake fucking name. Yeah, why not? Free of charge. Yep. Holmes had told Yoke that all of his family was dead except for one rich uncle named Henry Mansfield Howard, who was childless but really, really wanted his name to go on. So he had told Holmes that if Holmes changed his name to John Jacob Jingle Schmidt, Henry Mansfield Howard too, Just just. His name is my name, too. (laughs) Just the back part, actually. If he changed his name to match his, he would leave Holmes his vast fortune when he died. But yeah, of course, it's all bullshit so he could get married again without anyone realizing that he was already married and then already married again. Soon after his wedding, in late 1893, Holmes left Chicago telling Georgiana he had some out-of-town business to attend to. Let's take a break for a second. Whatever happened to giving girls... Boys' names with like Anna or Et at the end of it.
0: I don't know, but I miss it.
1: I do too. I think there should be a Greg Et in your future. There is. Okay, good. That's. I mean, that's penciled in as number one. <laughs> and well, it'd have to be number two because number one got abandoned in Germany. Remember. Your son?
0: Well, I mean, once he comes to see me, yeah, you know, and his name is Hans, in 23 years, I'm mean, going oh. to be actually, you His, name, his yeah. <laughs> Sorry, son. Sorry. It was already penciled in. If you want a relationship with your father, this <laughs> is what it's going to take. And
1: nothing gets rid of pencil. <laughs> <laughs> what was really happening was all the people Holmes owed money to were just sick and fucking tired of being ducked, and he was dangerously close to losing everything through multiple lawsuits. So, in October, after taking out nearly $25,000 in insurance on the castle, he had the top floor of the building set on fire. Unfortunately for him, the insurance company saw that there was a lot of evidence to indicate that the fire had been started deliberately, and they knew that Holmes was being sued by like 60 fucking people and was desperate for cash. So, no, bro, we're not going to fucking pay you this money. There's a weird thing, man. (laughs) There's a lot of
0: arson in this story. Yeah. There was a great fire that wiped out this city, Mm -hmm. what, less than 20 years earlier? It's like 1872, I think. And (laughs) and there's all this arson. It's like, you motherfuckers didn't learn your lesson. No. Really.
1: It's such shoddy construction that if you set fire to one thing, maybe the whole fucking city burns again. Mm -hmm. Um, A note that we're not going to get to in here that's a big part of Devil in the White City uh, talking about the World's Fair. You know, they just fucking gush over and over about how beautiful this city is. And then pretty much all of it is burned down <laughs> by fire. The World's Fair, yeah. the city they built, is pretty much all fucking destroyed. And the weird thing is, is the creators were like, yeah, that's cool. I don't care. We didn't want it to stand after and basically become like a fucking JC JCPenney. We wanted all of the stuff we created to go away. So they were cool. with Suspect number one. No shit. I bet you they had some insurance money, too. That's probably a better story than this. We'll just find out later. I don't don't know. That's fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) The insurance company did deny the claim, but they also didn't press charges, which is weird and also unfortunate because that just leads to more fucking death. Yeah, I mean. Yeah.
0: (laughs) How could they have predicted
1: that? (laughs) Well, you can't, but obviously this dude... uh, built this third floor there's no evidence anyone actually stays in this fucking third floor hotel you know, quote unquote hotel when it's really just a bunch of rooms to hide furniture he'd stolen in and uh you know he's a shady dude he's being sued by like so many people you know he's committed insurance fraud just fucking at least try and prosecute him and get you know some sort of damages i don't know man well like i just said you know it's so many people were committing arson yeah, in that's Chicago true. Yeah, that's true. at this
0: point in time.
1: Yeah, it's like, uh, eh. it's like oh, fuck, again? Just We're just not going to give you the check. Yeah. yeah so, okay, I guess that makes sense. Still, things got worse for old Henry Ho-Ho, that's his street name in case you forgot, because a few dozen of his creditors got together and demanded that he pay $50,000 immediately, which is like $10 billion in today's money, or a warrant would be issued for his arrest. Holmes didn't have $50,000, so he said, Suck my butt, Inglewood! And on November 22nd, he left with his best bud, Benjamin Peitzel in tow. That was actually his number one SoundCloud rapper single, Suck my butt, Inglewood.
0: <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> well, after stopping off in Denver to officially get married, Holmes and Georgina... Decided to honeymoon in scenic Fort Worth, Texas
1: Yeehaw! Well before central air conditioning was around And by the way, I can can say yeehaw because I'm from Texas That's our word, we can use it
0: Yeah, don't you dare, motherfucker, (laughs) try and appropriate our culture Well yeah, and they went to such an awesome scenic place And brought Peitzel with them
1: Uh, no, 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 you're not imposing, Ben Uh, me and Georgiana, we don't even want to have sex on our honeymoon we're just going to masturbate into our respective handkerchiefs like it says in the Bible. Does that? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but somewhere, somewhere yeah, in the back. I bet it does. <laughs> but once in Fort Worth, Holmes,
0: you know, figuring everybody for country bumpkins, decided to go ahead and start up his credit scams again immediately. Yeah. He was in possession of Minnie Williams property, which was
1: at second in Rusk, second in commerce today. And by the way, today there's a bank building there, Bank of America. I just want you to know that for what you're about to say so I can throw in another comment later. Okay. Well,
0: he had grand designs of building another murder castle that was identical to the one he had left behind in Inglewood. So, here's my comment.
1: What's more evil, a murder castle or a big bank, guys? Oh, yeah. Let me know in the the comments. (laughs) (laughs) So deep. Well, and they were getting away with
0: it, but they did the absolute worst thing you could do in 1894, Fort Worth, Texas. They fucked with someone's horses. So... Sometime in March, Holmes and Peitzel, they stole some top-notch stud horses, loaded them on a fucking
1: boxcar, and shipped them off to Chicago. Really? Yeah. Like, what's the grand plan there? Well, you if you steal some horses, you gotta ship them somewhere else, because someone might say, that's my horse, I recognize it because I've had sex with it. It's 1893. I'm sure that's happening. Um, so he ships it up to Chicago, where no one's had sex with that horse, and says, I have some fine sex horses who would like to have sex with this horse, and it's 100% profit at that point.
0: Well, uh, why aren't these initials the same as
1: yours? Uh, oh, mm to the murder castle with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, one of the cool things about Holmes, I I cool. That's a that's a very bad word He's to use.
0: such a badass awesome dude.
1: Yeah, he's my hero. On his autograph. He's he's second behind John Wilkes Booth in my <laughs> list of heroes. <laughs> no, one of the interesting things about Holmes is how quick he was and how able he was to just create a fake name right on the fucking spot. And I know that doesn't sound like much. It's not. But I think last episode when I was talking about a a contest we're running, which is still running. Uh, It's almost over. You can go to our Facebook page and find out about that. When I had to come up with a fake name, I came up with Schmiss. So this dude would be able to come up with like George Campbell, C.C. Adams, all these fake fucking names just out of nowhere. So if someone said, hey, whose initials are those? It says... EF, he'd say, well, my name's Emerald Fucker. Do you have a problem with it? <laughs> <laughs> I fuck
0: hard rock yeah. with my tiny hard rock. Tiny rigid member. <laughs> there we go. When they realized that the law was after them for horse, fe- horse theft.
1: Horse theft. Horse theft,
0: horse I said. theft, <laughs> Horse theft. Excuse me. Holmes, Georgina, and Peitzel booked it for St. Louis, Missouri. Once in St. Louis... Holmes bought a struggling pharmacy by making a small down payment and agreeing to pay the balance off in a month. I bet you he did, too. Oh, you know he did. Yeah. He's a very upstanding guy. He spent that month buying shit from the uh, Merrill Drug Company on credit and then selling off all of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When they came looking for their money, Holmes said he had sold the company to a man named Brown and that they should go look for him. Like, oh, that's uh, Brown. Yeah. Go look for the Brown man. It was Brown. (laughs) What do, you, what do you mean? Uh, you know, brown Oh, okay, well <laughs> yeah. We'll get right on the case, sorry for bothering you, Mr. If, Holmes If you
1: still have that patriotic music I'd like to make a patriotic editorial Okay, please continue You know, it's pretty typical That this white man Blamed all of his trouble On a brown man yeah. Thank you, this has been a Chris editorial Alright, continue last, last name brown <laughs> <laughs>
0: For once, no one was buying his bullshit and a warrant was issued for Holmes' arrest. He was tossed in jail and would spend ten days there before sweet, dumb Georgina would bail him out. In those ten days, he would make a mistake that would ultimately be
1: his undoing. No Halloween sounds! In jail, Holmes met a man named Marion Hedgepeth. You probably don't know the name, but this dude was one of the baddest motherfuckers the Old West ever saw. He just had the misfortune of being named Marion. Otherwise, you would have put him up there with, like, Billy the Kid or something like that, Jesse James. But his name was Marion. What if it was Jesse Hedgespeth? It, you, well, you would have come some like uh, Jesse the Joker or something cool like that. Yeah, I just,
0: I think both of his names are but stupid.
1: When you have Marion, all the people think is Maid Marion from Robin Hood. And they're like, so he's Lady Fox? And it, it gets real confusing at that point. Does it? Are- yeah. Anyways, he started out as a castle. See? Castle. He started out as a castle. <laughs> a murder castle. am a murder <laughs> I'm a murder <laughs> <laughs> He started out as a cattle rustler and a bank robber and moved on to Gunslinger with an impressive kill count. He was arrested multiple times for robbery and murder and would escape prison. His biggest crime was an 1891 train robbery that resulted in the death of a messenger.
0: And that is where the phrase, don't shoot the messenger, comes from. This has been a certified 100 proof history, fun fact slash lie moment.
1: Yeah, it's not true at all. Uh, (laughs) He was captured by the Pinkerton Agency in 1892. In 1894, when Holmes was arrested, Hedgepeth was sitting in a St. Louis jail awaiting his appeal hearing. Holmes then told Hedgepeth of his next big con. In 1893, Holmes had his BFF, Ben Peitzel, take out a $10,000 life insurance policy. Holmes was going to get a dead body that resembled Peitzel, fake his death, and the two men would collect the money. But Triple H needed a crooked lawyer to help him out, and he figured that Hedgepeth would know a guy who knew a guy who knew an 1894 version of Saul Goodman. Holmes told old Marion he'd give him $500 if he could hook him up, and in turn, Hedgepeth introduced Holmes to his lawyer, Jephtha D. Howe. Not a lot of Jepthas left in the world. That's going to be my second kid. Yeah, a- after Gregette, it's going to be Jephtha mm-hmm. She's going to be a beautiful girl mm. Jephtha
0: I would not dare <laughs> assume my kid's gender How <laughs> dare you Ben Peitzel's wife, Carrie And their children, Desi, Alice, Nellie, Howard And Baby Wharton Baby set- Wharton do, 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 <laughs> baby. Shut the fuck up <laughs> oh. <laughs> Unbelievable <laughs> They all settled in St. Louis, while Holmes wasted away in the slammer.
1: Doing time and gym pop. You know, class In the clink.
0: Yeah. Sometime in the two months after they got there, Ben took Carrie aside and told her of the plan to fake his death for insurance money. She said that it was stupid and Holmes was a dickhole, but eventually he talked her into it. After that, he went back to drinking, and one night stumbled home drunk and told his oldest daughter, Dessie... That if she saw a news report that he had been killed, that it was all bullshit and he was fine, don't worry about it. Then he began to sing Hey Jude by the Beatles off key and fell asleep in a recliner with reruns of Cheers blaring on the television. Yeah, that
1: sounds accurate. Not that
0: this ever happened (laughs) to me. (laughs) Soon Holmes and Peitzel's uh, grand adventure continued as they set off for Philadelphia where the fraud was to be committed. They decided that Peitzel would use the fake name of B.F. Perry. B.F. stands <laughs> for... Uh, go ahead. Boyfriend, obviously. Boyfriend Perry, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Boyfriend.
1: No relation to Matthew Perry what from Friends. What you Prince. thinking? Uh, buttfuck. Oh my god. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hello, my name is Buttfuck Perry. This...
0: This pleasure guy. to meet you. This guy.
1: I am new in Philadelphia, and I'm looking for some action, if you know what I mean.
0: I kind of do like the initials of the times.
1: Everybody Every, initials. Everybody does this. Yeah. It doesn't matter what their name is. They always put their initial in there. Hmm. Like, my name would be Schmiss P-H-P-H, because, you know, I'm not going to give him my real name, fuckers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. Thought he was about... They got pencils and paper out yeah. real quick. <laughs> All those people doing <laughs> math at home are ready.
1: <laughs> Once
0: again, they would use the fake name of B.F. Perry and would pose as a patent dealer. On August 9th, as they were having lunch together, Peitzel confessed something to Holmes.
1: I love you. I always have. I fall asleep every night wishing that I was your soiled pocket handkerchief.
0: (sighs) I'm glad you (laughs) let that (sighs) out. he had forgotten to pay the premium on his life insurance. Oh,
1: so it wasn't a sex thing. It was a it was it was a life insurance thing. I'm gonna go with
0: what you said. Okay, it's far more riveting.
1: <laughs> this is. I
0: should write true comp true crime novels. Yeah, you just make make this
1: shit up. It sounds better.
0: Even though he was the world's worst at paying his bills, Holmes still got mad at Peitzel because in order to scam money from an insurance policy, you have to pay the fucking policy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, that's it's step kind of, one.
1: Yeah, step one. Have insurance. <laughs>
0: Holmes took Peitzel to a telegraph office, and they wired money to Fidelity Insurance in Chicago just in time. Can't believe they didn't go with Geico. Mm. Just
1: 15 seconds. Anyway. Brought to you by Geico. Thank you for listening. I didn't say the whole thing.
0: (laughs) pay me, I'll edit it in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A few hours later, and the policy would have been canceled. On August 21st, they set Peitzel up with a storefront at 1316 Cowhill Street. B.F. Perry Patents, bought and sold, was open for business, but not for long. Actually, it's time for a break right now. And it's going to last for an entire week.
1: Yeah, exciting news, guys. Uh, instead of being a bi-weekly release, we are no longer bi, we're going full throttle. Yeah. We're doing a, <laughs> a weekly release, so you get the full dosage of, you know, full sexy time. Or, you know, full
0: main host time.
1: Main host time.
0: Yeah. But also, these episodes are getting really fucking long. Yeah. So, yeah. It makes sense all around.
1: It does. It's and good for
0: you. It's good for us. Agreed. So, in the meantime, be sure to check us out on social media. We are at 100 Proof History pretty much everywhere.
1: Yep. And we will see you next week, guys. We love you so much. Kisses. Bye.